1: Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number six in this series of messages I'm calling The Morning After, Life on Planet Earth After the Rapture. Now, I I just want you to understand the rapture is one of those biblical doctrines, and it is very clearly a biblical doctrine. The Greek word is the harpazo. The word rapture came from a Latin word. It's a transliteration of a Latin word. And many people will say that that there's nothing about the rapture in the Bible, but there is uh, a lot about the rapture. Jesus taught about the rapture. He Again, he didn't use the word rapture. The apostle Paul taught about what we call the rapture, the great catching away. And uh, it's amazing how irrational people become a, about this. and. And it's amazing how much people do not understand church history about this particular doctrine. The whole concept of the rapture, by the way, is is based to some degree on the very first feast, and the most important feast of all the feasts is called the Passover. And the Passover feast Uh, is where God demonstrates to us that by the blood of the Lamb, we are delivered from the wrath of God. And when God pours His wrath out on planet earth, and we have all kinds of Old Testament models, I've already talked about some of them, but we have all kinds of Old Testament types and models that show us that God delivers His people before wrath is poured out, just like before Wrath was poured out on Egypt. He delivered the Israelites. Um, Lot and his family they were they were delivered from Sodom and Gomorrah before wrath was poured out there. Uh, we know that Enoch was uh, uh, was delivered uh, before wrath was poured out on the ancient world. We have all types of of examples of this, and like I say, we have the very explicit and direct teaching of the Apostle Paul. Now. But I'm focusing right now on what's going to happen to the world uh, after the rapture takes place, or the harpazo, if you actually want to use the correct, the correct Greek uh, word you know, for describing this. But there is a doctrine that we, that we need to look at, and it's amazing how many major doctrines there are in the church world that are really not in the bible and uh uh, but boy people will fight you over things that are not in the bible and and insist that they are and one of those doctrines i call it geographic demonization now we learned last week and if you didn't watch last week's message you might want to go back and you might want to check it out we learned that the word possessed is not in the Greek language. It is nowhere to be found in uh, uh, in the original language of the New Testament. But in fact, there is the, a word that means to be demonized. And demonized, you, when you think about possession, you you think about a geographic location of a demon. What, is it in you? Is it on you? Is it oppressing you? Is it controlling you? What's happening? And then I'm not going to recap all of it, but we looked at what the Apostle Paul said, and he said that basically every person is a child of disobedience and is under the influence of the prince of the power of the air until they come to Jesus. And, you know, we discover something very important that actually gets into some more of these doctrines that people accept that are not actually in the Bible. There is, there is the concept that is taught very widely in some circles that when man' sinned, he gave his authority to the devil. Well, let me say this. if, if man's authority had been given to the devil, the devil would have wiped the human race out uh, immediately after the fall. And the fact that the, the fact that authority was never given to the devil becomes very, very clear, As a matter of fact, Jesus himself taught that the reason he had authority to work miracles, the reason he had authority to cast out demons, the reason he had authority to do all the things that he did was because he was the son of man. And that goes back to the very fact that when God created man, he created him in in God's own likeness and image and gave him dominion or gave him authority. And the scripture very explicitly uh, tells us that that man has always had authority here on planet Earth. Our job was to rule planet Earth as delegated authorities for God and to establish the will of God here on planet Earth. We chose to do something else. I'll tell you what man did lose at the fall. He didn't lose his authority, but he lost his identity. He lost his, his uh, internal connection with God, And Jesus came to restore our identity, to restore our relationship with God uh, so that we would know who we were in planet Earth and actually could operate in the authority that God gave us at creation. And, you know, I can't spend tons of time on that, but it doesn't it doesn't take but a minute of Bible research to discover uh, the whole biblical, theological uh, debacle that has been created through this false doctrine of of man giving up his authority now we you know we we have this realization and there's some there's most of the things that people believe that are unscriptural actually they, they have some basis in scripture but the problem is not whether something is in scripture or not it is how we are interpreting it and uh so you know you know. We have to ask the question, is it actually true that spiritual entities rule over geographic areas of the world? And I'm telling you, there are, just, there are major doctrines taught about this. Now, the book of Daniel is the place where we develop most of this doctrine of geographic demonization. And uh, yes, there is such a thing as spiritual entities ruling over geographic areas of planet Earth. Um, but the problem is it doesn't happen the way we have theologically taught that it happens. We have this idea that demons floating around out in the heavenlies have authority, and again, God never gave authority to the devil, even when man failed, and so we come up with this idea that demons have authority, and, and you know, we go back to the whole concept of Powers and principalities and, and this sort of thing, and again, we fail to understand that that entire doctrine was a Gnostic doctrine. The whole concept of principalities and powers, and uh, and we fail to understand that Jesus addressed that issue through his death, burial, and resurrection. Hopefully, we'll have enough time to talk a little bit about it. There, like I said, there are many things that we believe because they are mentioned in the Bible, but what we believe about many things that are in the Bible is not in line with what the Bible actually exposes and reveals about those truths. Now, it's so important that we get it straight on these. There are just crazy things that have happened over, over the decades about people doing spiritual warfare, screaming at demons up in the sky, you know, trying to Pull them down out of the air. You don't. You don't, we really don't have a biblical model for any of that any, anywhere in the Bible. So we have to say, well, wait a minute. What What are we really doing here? Well, you want know rather than address all that and talk about how wrong that is. Let's talk about what the right thing is and what is the biblical understanding that we that we need to have. First and foremost, we don't need to waste our time with senseless unscriptural concepts of spiritual warfare you know and paul kind of likened this to beating the air doing things that they are you know their activities but they are meaningless activities and so we don't want to beat the air we don't want to waste our time we want to do what's effective at establishing the kingdom of god here on planet earth by winning people to jesus by establishing righteousness in people's hearts, helping people recover their identity through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the book of Daniel, I'm not going to go into it, but we have this whole thing where, where Daniel was praying and seeking God because he read something in the Scriptures, and he realized that, uh, that the time for Israel's deliverance was at hand. And so he set his face to seek God. And and so in Daniel 10, verse 12, this, this angel comes and, and appears to Daniel and says, Don't he says, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand, uh oh, my cat just jumped up here behind me. He's he's decided he wants to get in into the ministry here. But yeah, he said he said you know from the for that day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. So we have this scripture in Daniel chapter ten where it says, you know, from the day that you set your heart to understand to humble yourself before God, your words were heard. I've come because of your words. Now, I want you to understand something. This angel did not come to Daniel because he was fasting. If you understand fasting, you understand fasting is more about preparing your own heart to hear from God, it is not something you do to manipulate or to force God to to answer your prayers. Uh, uh, That's what the Bible calls dead works. Anything that you think you can do that forces God to do something, uh, then, then basically you're saying, my fasting is more important than what Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. And I know nobody means that. That's not anybody's intention. But anyhow, so, the, the, uh, the angel tells Daniel that uh, he had come because of Daniel's words, and he says in verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, right there is where we just jump straight away from Scripture and go into a lot of, really a lot of occult teaching about demons and fallen angels, and, and, and I'm not saying there's not demons or there's not fallen angels. I'm just saying that most of what we believe about them actually did not come uh, out, out of the Bible. So uh, the angel indicated that, of course, that the, that the next power that was going to come was going to be the prince of Grecia. Well, Persia was the kingdom that was in power at the time that Daniel was seeking God about this, and Greece was going to be the next one. Now, I want you to understand, and we talked about this last week, demons only rule where human beings invite them to rule. In other words, a demon floating around out in the air has no effect on anything on planet Earth. It's when demons influence people that they have power. Why do they have power? Not because of the demon, because the human being is the one who has the authority. You have to realize that the ancient kings worshipped false gods. They looked to them for power, for wisdom, for uh, for dominion. And you know when these kings won certain w- won battles or won wars, they forced the people to worship the gods that they worship. You know Alexander, which would have been the king of which would have been the prince of, of, uh, of Grecia, Alexander the Great was pronounced to be the son of Amun uh, at the Oracle of Siwa Oasis in the Libyan desert. And Alexander was often referred to uh, as the son of, of Zeus. As a matter of fact, he, he stated that Zeus, the, the, the god, the false god Zeus, was his true father. And after his death, there was currency with that depicted him adorned with the horns of Amman as the symbol of of divinity. So all the ancient rulers worshiped pagan gods. And so the gods, these these gods, which were which were nothing but demonic beings, these gods didn't rule because they had some kind of power or, or authority to rule. They ruled because they were invited to rule through the kings of of the ancient world. Now, the big question that I have is this: Well, well what about Jesus? Y'all you know, never forget. I was doing a crusade in Honduras back decades ago, and uh, and so one night there was a big group of us sitting around talking after uh, after the crusade, and so uh, a woman had a particular question, and she brought up her question and. And it had something to do, you know, with demons. And so she said, Now I know what you're gonna say, Jim. She said, So so you know, I, I don't wanna hear all that stuff about Jesus came and, and 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 you know that was that solved this particular problem. Well, you know something, it's like I, I tell you, I, I was pretty much infuriated. It's like, what do you mean you don't wanna hear about the fact that Jesus came? Jesus coming is the solution. The answer to the question and the solution to the problem that you're theorizing—it's amazing how we do not we we have the name of Jesus on our lips, but we really don't believe what Jesus accomplished through the resurrection. You know, the Book of Colossians it it presents the concept or the truth of the reality in Colossians two fifteen that Jesus disarmed principalities and power. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in in the cross and so Jesus disarmed disabled disempowered principalities and powers so so any uh controlling influence that they might have ever had ended at the resurrection so you, you start saying well well yeah you know, I'm not understanding this so so are you saying Jesus didn't cast out demons no I'm not saying that I am saying he did cast out demons, but the question is, how did these children and these people? How did they get demons? Well, remember the Greek word is not possessed; the Greek word is demonized. They came under the influence of demons. Why? Because of what they were taught, because of what their parents and their environment modeled to them. You know, there there is another interesting phrase or concept that we attribute to the power of demons, which is just absolutely not true, and uh, it's called generational curses. There really isn't any such thing as generational curses, and in fact, the Bible is very clear, and Jesus modeled this in his ministry and his teaching, that that children couldn't get sick, and they couldn't get the diseases and demons because of the sins of, of their parents. And, of course, people immediately, and I'm going to have to jump through this pretty quick, people immediately jump back to Exodus 34, uh, verse 6, where it talks about God's gracious, God's merciful, He's long-suffering, abounding in goodness and in truth, keeping mercy to thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sins. And he says, but by no means clearing the guilty. In other words, he did not just clear the guilty. There is forgiveness by the blood of the Lamb. Us, our sins are washed away. Uh, we are born again. We are born of the Spirit. We got a new spirit. We get a new heart because of the Lord Jesus. But, but the King James goes ahead to translate the other half of that verse, saying, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to third and fourth generations. And so people take that and say, see, uh, this iniquity is passed on from generation to generation. Well, first of all, iniquity is not demon possession. Iniquity is a lifestyle that actually replaces the word of God, replaces the morals, the values, uh, the ethics uh, that God's word uh, establishes, and replaces it with some other philosophy. The church today, if you really want to know the truth, is is just rife with iniquity because we don't believe what the Bible teaches about sin. We don't believe what the Bible teaches about ethics, about morals, and all this kind of stuff. And so, so. God is, is. He's not saying He visits the iniquity. He's saying that word "visit" is should be translated as remembering, remembering the iniquity of ours. So God is saying the reason He's able to be compassionate, the reason He's able to be understanding is because He remembers that the iniquity, this rejection of God's morals, values, ethics, and standards, came about because of the, the traditions of the family, the traditions of the society that people are raised in. Remember, Jesus didn't say, uh, and, and Mark 7, 11, he didn't say that the word of God was of no effect because demons, demons had power. He said that the word of God was of no effect because of people's traditions and cultures that were handed down from generation to generation. So, these ancient kings who rule over parts of the world as tyrants, they worshiped other gods, and they forced their beliefs uh, onto the people that they actually ruled. So, you say, well, what's this got to do with the morning after the Harpazo, the rapture? What's this got to do with it? Well, remember... The Bible tells us. The Apostle Paul says there is something that is restraining uh, the the rise of iniquity, and he and he says, you know, the, he says actually uh, the mystery of iniquity is already at work in the earth. It's been here, and 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 whatever it is that restrains, whenever that is taken out of the way, then the man of iniquity is going to emerge. Now I'm telling you the thing that we're going to see immediately after the Harpazo, after what we call the rapture, what we're going to see immediately is the fact that, that whatever restrained the complete rise of iniquity is, is removed, is taken out of the way, and the leaders of this world are going to turn to the gratification of their gross immorality and wickedness. And we're going to go into that time where, uh, uh, where good is called evil, evil is called good, righteousness is called unrighteousness, and all of the morals, ethics, and values of the Bible are going to be reversed. You know, the Bible tells us, and Daniel prophesied this, uh, that with the rise of what we call the Antichrist, or the man of sin, or, or the man of iniquity, that he is going to change the laws and the times and several things. Well, what laws is he talking about? He's not just talking about changing social laws. He, this is talking about reversing the laws of God that have been what little stability the world still has, is only maintained to the degree that some uh, parts of the world Still ad- adhere to some of God's morals, values, and ethics. And when and and when that which restrains the rise of the Antichrist, when that is removed, there is nothing then to influence government leaders to adhere to or to hold on to the values of the Word of God. Here's what's amazing. Right now, the church is is so compromised and so asleep at the wheel that the honest truth is the, the average Christian seems to have no concept of how wicked the world is, is going to become, how violent the world is going to become, uh, and, and but it's going to happen immediately. As a matter of fact, one of the things that's going to come and the Bible. You know, prophesies this over and over and over about what the last days are going to be like and how corrupt and godless it's going to be. And, but once, once the moral values, standards of God's Word, once that is totally removed, then all of that will be replaced by different godless, pagan, occult philosophies, which will which will legalize every kind of immorality it will legalize bestiality it will legalize uh, 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 sex with children it, it will it will legalize things that you never ever believed that anybody would legalize but the truth is just like it was in ancient Rome and just like it you know was in times past that the the these morals and values that the Word of God, has given us so that we have some degree of peace in the world, all these morals and values are really going to be done away with, and they're going to be the blame of why the world goes mad. It's like, if we can get rid of all knowledge of God, then people will have no guilt over what they do. Therefore, people are not going to be crazy. Now, I'm telling you, I could spend hours and hours just talking about this, but but I want you to know a couple things. First of all, let me remind you Those of you who want to invest in yourself, those of you who are making this journey of being disciples of the Lord Jesus, man, this is the great time of the year for you to invest in yourself. So be sure and watch for the special ads that talk about the special uh, sale that we have on all of our materials. Now, don't forget, I've got a couple thousand free messages that you can get on our website anytime. We always have all this material out there for free. But for those of you who want to take a deep dive, you you get purchase these series that go a little more in depth than number 1. You're making a great investment in yourself, but also you're making a great investment in the kingdom of God because we use those resources to preach the gospel to the ends of the earth and and uh, these resources, I am telling you, are hours and hours and hours of in-depth in-depth Bible teaching. So uh be sure and and watch for it we have specials that run all all the way uh through thanksgiving through christmas through new years and and watch for them because there's different specials that are going to be offered and and we we want you to get a great deal invest in yourself and also be able to invest in other people these make these series make great gifts for other people um so So be sure and watch for that. But but the main thing I want to take you to right now is like, look, right now you still have options. And and I want you to understand uh, you got three options and you really need to seriously consider these. Number one, option number one is right now you you can surrender to the Lord Jesus. And and I'm going to come back to that in just a second. Second option is uh, you can wait. And after the rapture, if you want to turn your life over to Jesus, th- that, that becomes the time where the Antichrist has total rule and it will cost you your life to surrender to the lordship of Jesus because this will be a rejection of the godless governments of the world and uh, people who want Jesus to be their lord uh, is going to pay a dear, dear price of their life for this. So you can surrender to Jesus at the cost of your life after the harpazo, or you can align yourself with the Antichrist and become a part of the Antichrist army that in fact is going to try to wage a war against God to stop Jesus from coming to planet earth and establishing his kingdom. But I'll tell you the most valuable thing you can do is surrender yourself to the lordship of Jesus right now so that you can be a part of the marriage feast of the Lamb, which is what takes place um, after the of what we call the rapture. So I want to invite you, man, surrender your life to Jesus right now. And you know that, that, that's pretty simple. That, that's just where you just make the determination, the commitment that you believe that Jesus paid for your sins. You believe he paid the price. You believe he overcame sin when he was raised from the dead. And you believe based on what he has done for you, that in fact he is worthy to be your Lord, and you begin right now building your life on the teachings and the life and the model and the example of the Lord Jesus Christ, and living in this covenant that he can, that he has established. So, even you know be sure to go to our website. Like I said, we've got a couple of thousand videos on there that you can go to. You can learn more about who Jesus is. You can learn more about what the truth of what God is offering you through salvation. You can learn about prayer. You can learn about all this. And the key things, you can be ready to meet him when he calls. So i right, share this with everybody you can. I'll be talking to you again next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.